1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: Welcome to the Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five, here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey, everybody. What's up? Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast, Dan the Fitness Man. We are going into a bonus podcast today. I have quite a few in the hopper. I might start doing more of these just to get them out. And uh, I hopefully these are entertaining and inspiring, educational, et cetera. Thank you. You have a lot of choices when it comes to podcasts. Thanks for picking ours. We appreciate you. Today, we're going to drop into Elk Shape Camp, Wisconsin, uh, at the Airbnb. All the subject matter experts are at the camp. Going to just dive in on, hey, guys, you all have a lot of elk hunting experience. What has changed in the last 30 years in elk hunting? What has not changed? Uh, We're going to hear from Jimmy G, Orion Medical Consulting.org. He does the backcountry medicine. He has the Jimmy kits. I want you to have a Jimmy kit in your backpack We'll dive in on that, but uh, if you're excited or stoked about Jimmy Kits, go to his website. I'll leave a link in the show. Discount codes: Elk Shape takes ten percent off. Get yourself a Jimmy Kit. Tell your hunting partners where the Jimmy kit is in your pack and know how to use everything in your medical kit. When you buy his kit, you actually get all the information and the videos for the kit so that you can get yourself educated. And uh, you owe it to your hunting partner to be dialed on your med kit. Uh, We also bring in Dirk Durham. Mark Livesey, the e-scouting master. We're also going to get Mrs. Elkshape on here. My buddy Clint from Utah. It's just a fun listen. This is behind the scenes, Elkshape Camp, Wisconsin. We just got back. Enjoy. I'll catch you at the end of the show.
3: You're na- not into any Oscar Mayawena. <laughs> <laughs> Funky cold Medina. Of- can you say, let's do it? Yes. That's Let's sh- do it ah. You gotta get a little bit of drawl in there Let's do it One more time Let's do it Let's
4: do it baby
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I had to hear it once see?
4: Wow.
2: I can play that on a podcast right? Uh, I don't know How about this one? You've never heard this? It's
4: been a while well, I mean, Let me get it Just relax Man this retirement's killing you Tone <laughs> Dig it. Oh, I oh, can't that do that. Is you? That is you. I, I can't. I, can, I can't do that. <laughs> He's out of practice. Yeah. I can do something a little shorter.
2: <laughs> and walk around. How long have you been elk hunting, Tone? Look, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> who got you into it?
4: What got me into elk hunting? Yeah. Um, we were. I used to work for a, a transplant agency in Missouri. We did you know, like bone scan, worked with agencies that did bone scan, eye transplantation, corneal blah, blah, blah. And my boss and I were, he was a big whitetail hunter. He's quite a bit older than me. And we both love whitetail. And one day he just kind of comes in and says, man, I think, I think we need to go elk hunting. Well, I've never even seen an elk. I'm from Missouri, never been elk hunting at all. Never even been close, never seen one in the wild. And we just went to the library. (laughs) oh man this is gonna to totally date me go to the library check out a bunch of topo maps <laughs> come back to the boardroom lay them all out Probably kind of pick a to spot. the kiddos listening what a, what library a topo is. map is <laughs> and uh we had a big we had a big uh like conference room we laid them out on the conference table we start and we ended up deciding crested butte we're gonna go to crested butte to hunt elk well back then crested butte wasn't like it is today so it was pretty like you know elkish and remote around crested butte so we rolled out there and uh we hunted, and we we um, decided that our vehicle of choice was going to be a two-wheel drive minivan. So we took a minivan elk hunting on our first trip, and it's uh, a front-wheel drive. We lost every hubcap. I don't know how many flat tires we had to get repaired, and that's I've been hooked ever since. That was it? That was year but one? Dude, it was it. I killed a cow elk. I thought it was a horse that got loose. <laughs> 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 when I first saw it running through the timber, it had a calf with it, and it was running— through the timber, like right to me. And I, I could see the minivan from the stump I was sitting on. And uh, I was kind of sitting there just off the road, not that far, a few hundred yards, but I could see down through the timber to the road. And this cow was coming, coming, coming. And and I kept thinking, I never even got at my bow. I didn't even get an arrow out. I just totally didn't even think, I didn't even think elk. We'd been there. I hadn't seen an elk. We had seen an elk, of course. And uh, all of a sudden, she just keeps coming. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I had a PSE bow. I'll never forget it. It was an eighty pound bow. And at the time it was pretty hard for me to, you know, kind of get it back from a seated on the stump. And I wait. I didn't stand up. I didn't get ri I, I just did every possible thing you could do wrong. And then finally this cow is less than ten yards from me. And then I decided I'm gonna draw the bow. Well, that's not the optimal time to start your draw in the wide open. So I'm behind- there's a tree in front of me, and I decide I'm gonna wait until she gets to the tree, which is like me to you dan like arms distance like three feet and so when her head goes behind the tree i drew and the calf loses his mind he's behind her and he just jumps and i'm just waiting and she walks out of the tree and i looked at i came as, it's all hair through my peep i mean it, the tip of my broad head is within a foot of her and i finally i just i can't i just held it where i you know, about and let go and it just whacked and she ran down behind the minivan and crossed the road. And that was my first out. Wow. Three foot shot. And, uh, you're kidding me, right? Like that literally, no, that's exactly how it happened. And, uh, I've, I've loved it now with a bad thing was I killed that Oak the first year. And then I went like three or four years, nothing, you'll know, try, try. And it's just like, I thought this is easy. After that happened, right, I'm like right. three foot. I mean, these things don't even, they don't even smell. It's not even hard. <laughs> these <laughs> things don't even, I mean, there's no problem. And, uh, but I got, you know, I got educated really quick and uh, I've been going for, uh, I think this is my 33 or 34th year. Yeah. I was in my mid twenties sometime around that. So I'm 56. So, you know, I'm mid to early twenties when I went, I was out of college. I just kind of put it together. I never really analyze the dates and uh, man, I've been, I've been hooked. Well, I'm going to ask you a
2: question that I'm going to ask everybody on this podcast tonight. It's going to be the same question across. Um, and, it's, it has to do with the 33 years in elk hunting. Uh, we will, after this, give everybody a little teaser of what you do in, at, here at Elk Shape Camp because that's where we're at, guys. We're in Wisconsin. I uh, got the all-star team here. But in 33 years of elk hunting, I want you to tell me three things that have completely changed about elk hunting, and I want you to tell me three things that has never changed about elk hunting.
4: Okay. Mm, man, it's great to hit me on the spot like that first. And nobody, I don't even have time to think about it. Now. That's six things. And they get a freaking three three, chance man. To think about it. Okay. Three things that have changed. Well, that's pretty easy for me because freaking lots change. Number one is the technology. The elk hunting technology uh, is absolutely incredible. Um, versus when I started, I posted a picture not too long ago of a, my first GPS. And it was an Eagle. Lawrence Eagle with the flip open screen. It's about nine inches long. It took twelve double A batteries. And when you turned it on, you could see the battery level start to go down. And you had to shut it. You just had to save it for it. And all it told you was where your waypoint was and the bearing. And, uh, so you just flip it open, find out it's 180 degrees, (laughs) save your battery. And then you get your compass out and start walking 180 degrees when you felt like you were, you know, you walked a mile or so you'd flip it back open. Oh shit. It's 60. So I got off course. So I changed my direction, straight line navigation. And, but that was a game changer for us. Then when we operate off compass, we could not get as far as we can now. We couldn't navigate at night very well. Um, and then about my, I think it was my second year I got, incredibly dreadfully lost and I when I got back from that hunt I'm like I can't do this anymore it kind of freaked me out it was was a bad I was multiple days lost I told the story today and and uh I walked off my topo map I killed an elk and I had the meat on my back and I got lost and it was bad I ended up losing the elk losing the meat that I had everything I had to drop the meat it was it was horrible and I just said, I'm not coming until I got better figure. And I'm a good, I was a good navigator, just made some mistakes. I didn't trust my compass. I thought my compass was broken. <laughs> I was just convinced that wasn't North and it was, and you know, the whole story. And, uh, so anyway, after that, I just started searching for a solution and I found this GPS. This was in the Remember this was in the nineties and it was six. I think I paid 699 bucks for that GPS. And it was a beast. I mean, it's just a freaking beast. But it allowed me to get back out there and kind of get after it again with a little bit of confidence of some kind. And then, so just watching the technology. So that's kind of maybe a couple of them wrapped up. Yeah, that could be three in one, really. Yeah, it was. So the technology and the navigation and the topo maps and all that stuff has been my biggest three kind of changes. So three things that – what was the other one? What hasn't changed. Oh. So what hasn't changed is – like we 're teaching you know here i 'm here at elk State teaching e scouting, and, and one of the things that has not changed is, I think Dirk said it when we were today is the elk are want to be they want they're, they're they're where they are, and you got to meet them where they are, and just because the habitat is amazing that doesn 't mean they 're going to be there and to be able to to adjust and go and but if you look at the population of elk there 's almost the same numbers of elk there was when I started hunting if if not even more than there was then. And their behaviors. now, I don't think they're as callable as they used to be. When I started, we had these Primos calls, and they would just squeak, you just squeak a couple squeaks, and you get a bugle. You bugle from the road, bugle. So there's enough hunters bugling, and so the vocalization has changed too. That's probably my second thing is that they're wiser, they're more dialed to it. You can still call them. Dirk, Phelps, everybody shows that every year, but they're just, you got to be more savvy. You got to get your tactics. You got to get your calling. You got it's not about, I don't, for me, I don't think it's as much how you sound It's when you do it, how you do it and why you do it. Not as much about how you sound uh, as much as when you do it and the timing of when you do it. So that has changed dramatically. It was really easy to call it. My first bugle tube was a piece of pipe, piece of corrugated flexible pipe that I had a string hole drilled through and I carried it around. Um, and I'll never forget. I had one, I made, I even sewed my own cover for it. So it was quiet and I had this tube and I lost it one year on a hunt. And then, and I, next year we're back in the same area and I found it. It was all chewed up. The mice had chewed up the freaking fabric. So I re-sewed the fabric, kept after with that same tube for many years. And then, um, you know, some other people came out with tubes and different things. And so, Man, I hate dating myself like that, but that was... And then the last thing that's changed is the quality of the gear. Man, the rain gear. We battled the rain. Our rain gear was terrible. We're always wet. Our boots always leaked. So the companies have really stepped it up over my 30 years of the gear. So that's what I think.
2: Well, I know you're heading out tonight, right? Yes. Okay, so I I won't keep you. We can move on, but uh, just give everybody a quick little... This is what I do at Elk Shape Camp when you're here. Just kind of and segwayed into what you do when
4: you're not at elk shape camp yeah. okay so dan and and i've talked well actually i tried to be at the elk shape camps last year and we just the schedules were hectic and didn't work out and uh so i met dan at uh at the elk summit i mean we met i think a little bit before that but really got to know you on a more of a friend level um at ryan lamper's elk summit and i enjoyed that and I was really just freaking magnet attraction to your intensity. I I I think that was kind of missing at my my elk stage at that time. I've been going for a long time now, and kind of was getting I get to hunt a lot of days. I was getting soft. I'm just gonna be honest. I just was taking things kind of lack of days ago. So meeting you kind of re energized me to get a little more amped up about what I'm doing. That which is almost impossible if you don't know Dan. So that was a good thing. And so when you invited me to come, I was like, I'm super excited to come. Um, I love doing these things, especially here in Wisconsin, because I'm a Midwest guy and I feel like I'm in my home turf, even though it's Wisconsin, even though it's the Badgers. I mean, whatever. Um, I'm a Michigan kind of guy. I was a Michigan fan growing up. I wanted to play football in Michigan. I would have given anything. And uh, so, eh, you know, Wisconsin, it's nice second choice. And but I love coming here. I love the Midwest guys. I just love it. And they eat it up. They I, do. Mean, they, I think they liked my the experience with me as much as I like. I mean, it was really fun the, the last two days. And uh, But this is the first Midwest speech or talk I've given. And uh, it just energized me. I, I'm going home with a whole new outlook and appreciation for what the gift we have, living where we do and what we do. You know, Dirk, and you... And me and even Iron Bill, even though he left me last night, I'm kind of, I'm trying to kind of forgive him and Jeff and Matt, all these, these guys I'm meeting and just the blessing we have to live out West to chase elk like we do for the amount of time we do. And these guys are just trying to squeeze out 10 days out of their calendar i met a couple tonight where his wife wants to go elk hunting so bad with him and they got two little kids and they can't go at the same time and it's it's going to be coming freaking bone now she's more amped up because she's been at the camp so they got to figure something out and uh that's been a blessing so um yeah so yeah, so I don't know if I answered your question. You but, totally did. You, yeah. you, you,
2: I think your course is deep. You have a two-year-long e- e-scouting course. Um, I am in it right now. I'm not even finished with it, but I listened to you the first time, and you said, don't skip ahead. Don't go right to the sexy stuff because you won't know how to utilize anything. So I did do step-by-step. Step. I'm definitely – I know enough to be deadly, but at no one – no one on this earth is on your level, sir, when it comes to e-scouting. Um, I don't you, know about that, I appreciate that. You are obsessed. I am obsessed. And you've figured out, you're tech savvy enough to really figure out systems that will work for anyone, which is really cool. So, uh, for anyone listening, uh, we have a discount code for the Treeline Academy. The discount code is Elkshape. Yep. And that'll save you a, a few bucks. And you, there's so much fire hose coming out of this course. Please take sips. And then, like, just take your time, have a two-year plan. And what I did, what I recommend people to do with that, take your courses, do as much of it as you can before September and make your hunt plans. It'll be the first time you've actually had several plans. You'll feel so prepared. You'll have so much more confidence and less anxiety in the tent when plan A and plan B didn't work. You actually will be excited to execute plan C all the way down to Z. And then here's the thing that I did that I think is it might be considered a best practice. As soon as season's over, I went right into more e scale while everything was fresh in my mind i started taking peaks over ridges that i didn't quite make it to places that i wanted to go or just found on the way and then you hit year two you can really kind of finish your stride and i think year two you said it today that's when people really start to grasp the whole concept and they take it to a level you never envisioned talk about that
4: well i think that for guys that are especially new guys or even advanced guys. so there's a couple guys That are kind of attracted to this this platform new guys of course they're attracted because they're just knowledge seekers and if you're a knowledge seeker and you're relatively new and when i mean new guys i consider anybody that's been hunting elk for four years or less brand new dude it's a 10 percent success rate would you agree i mean dude you don't play games with that it just takes time and there's guys that run out there and kill bulls right off the bat and uh and, and they can keep doing it, but it's rare. And when you think about a 10% success rate, you got to account for the Lampers of the world, the Statens of the world, the Dirks of the world. These guys are making that 10%. If you're new, it's not 10% because those guys are killing. So that's raging. You're talking, I don't know what the percent is, but it's got to be ridiculously low. Once the guys that kill every year are pulled out of that freaking number, it just plummets. So guys that are new, it takes time. So that's why I, when I first built this course, I decided that from a business perspective, guys, it would have been, it's a bad idea for me to give two years. It's a bad idea. I should do one year. I make more money, whatever. But I know that you can't really accomplish everything you want in one year. And like Dan said, I really poured a lot into this, probably too much. There's research. There's so many. It, the course is almost 30 hours of video not including the text. And I just didn't feel like I could get it done in a year. And guys, I wanted them to experience it for a year and put it into practice. Really the second year there's guys are, but now I'm two years into my course, the the photos I'm getting the success stories, the thanks, the it's just, I mean, it's so humbling and it's kind of pissing me off. Some of these dudes are two years in killing bulls. Like I have never even gotten close to, and they're giving me all the credit. I'm like, what the freak? 350, 360 bulls. I got two or three of them now that people that are taking my course, they have got and said this, they were right where I said they would be. And I'm like, well, they're not right where I'm going. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, I'm a, you know, I'm humbled and I'm making fun of it, but I'm happy for their success. I love it. And the experienced guys, what I find for a lot of guys, they go back to the same spots. They keep going, they keep going, they keep going, they kill elk, but they, they're not killing maybe what they want, or they're not killing as frequently as they want. And one of the reasons is because they're not spending their knowledge. They're not, they're not going above and beyond what they've always done. And they're like, I'm going to elk camp. I'm like, well, where's elk camp this year? He goes, well, we've been going to the same place for 15 years. I'm like, well, that's great. I mean, elk, you oh, about every four or five years, you know, I get an elk and I'm like, well, that's okay. It's above the average, but they get comfortable in a spot and they know it. Now there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of good from that, but I think guys that want to branch out and kind of start to, it's good for them too, because it there's guys that are really serial elk killers that really have never really scouted much because they've fallen into a family spot that's a really good spot and they good hunting. I get a lot of guys like, man, we used to have this spot and now it's overrun, right? You uh, hear that? And that's going to happen. And then I'm getting a lot of guys like that, like, and now they're forced to find a new spot and now they really don't know how to find a new spot. And so I get some of that too. But So I didn't expect it to be for the intermediate advanced guys as much. But I've been surprised at how little these guys spend in the expansion of their technology skill set. They get, they become, we talked about it all weekend, they become one dimensional. They use whatever hunt app they're using. They use Onyx, Go GoHunt, Gaia, whatever they're using, that's it. They don't know the benefits of the other apps. They don't know how to put them together. They don't know what one does, what the other one doesn't do, because they're so tunnel vision on one particular thing, and they just think that's it, and then everything else is the same. They've never really explored the features, and so opening their eyes and opening the doors—some of that's really has changed the game for some guys, and and it's all it took to kind of get them to go to kind of the next level.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I know you got a plan to catch. Thanks for coming, man. Guys, check out Mark. He's will be at the uh, all the rest of the oak Shape camps, and check him out on—is um, it Tree Line Academy? or treelinepursuits.com?
4: So I got two websites. If you go to treelinepursuits.com, you can get to everything from there. It's got all every pod, all the podcasts we've done in the past are all there. Actually, we just fixed the links this week. And um, so I've been on quite it. If you don't want to pay for the course, great. Okay. If you don't have the money, don't. There's a lot of free stuff there. I've been on almost 50 podcasts talking to these guys. And guys listen to them. They're free. There, there's some good stuff there. And then if that still doesn't convince you, then the course probably ain't for you. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> so there's all that's there. I got a lot of articles I've written are there too. And then there's access to the course, obviously. Awesome. Well, about safe travels and I'll see you in Utah. Thanks for having me guys here. It's been a pleasure. I was really looking forward to meeting Dirk. I met him on the plane here. He was just not as impressive as I thought he would be. Um, <laughs> I get that a lot. They, yeah. <laughs> they say,
3: you know, you look a lot taller on
4: TV, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really been good to meet some new guys. I, all the people i've met here are kind of except for you are all kind of new for me so oh really I love, yeah, yeah i've never met anybody here so it's been really fun that's so, cool yeah you, this you. is the squad so yeah like you're,
2: you're in it thanks now. man all right man safe
3: travels appreciate you Dirk. how old were you when you killed your first elk i was at the ripe old age of 15 years old i didn't even have a driver's license yet Really? Yeah. Be, if it was, if I went elk hunting, my my best friend would either go, or uh, my mom would take me and drop me off, or my dad would dro- take me and drop me off. You just 15 years old. Parents are like, hey, drop you off, go elk hunting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be back at dark. And you just went solo, age 15. Yeah. And back then, um, I had tennis shoes. Last year's tennis shoes. I didn't have boots. Um, I'd have a pocket knife. Had my tag, uh, camo, of course. And, Calls and my bow. That's that's it. When did you realize that you're like I'm pretty
2: decent at elk calling, like literally? Because I'm still waiting for that realization. It hasn't happened yet. But like, when did you realize you're like I'm pretty decent at this elk calling thing?
3: I picked it up pretty quick. Um, when I was 13, I learned how to call turkeys, and um, I kind of picked that up pretty quick. And then, of course, elk calls were a pretty natural progression or for me that they I just picked it right up. And I watched at the time in 1989 I watched every single damn elk hunting video VHS video there was you know whether it was uh you know um elk fever you know Larry Jones and and crew um there was a bunch of other ones too I watched and man I just watched everything I could I read every single book I could read um one of the guys at camp was saying he he brought a book to camp to read at night at the hotel um, by a guy named, uh, Mike Lipinski. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, I read that book. Yeah. And it's awesome. And, uh, you know, yeah. That, so that's a great segue uh, because Mike Lipinski, a book
2: written in the eighties yeah, proves that if a guy's reading it right now in 2022, there are certain things about opening that has not changed and there's certain things that has changed. So maybe not three things each, but like what let's start with what has definitely in your mind changed in elk hunting because you're on year number 30 is this your 34th 33rd elk season in those 33 years what has stands out to you has totally changed from when you were 15 your
3: parents dropped you off in the elk woods dude everything's changed technology um, equipment uh, clothing boots I mean back then what kind of boots do you want Uh, leather logger boots or I don't even think they had Gore-Tex then. Maybe they did, and I was just too damn poor to know it. Right. Um, you know? Um, backpacks. Every Everything has changed. You know, we didn't have laser rangefinders. They had these little weird things that looked like those little weird cameras. And you kind of, you you would line up the prisms, and, and the shape would have to be a, I didn't even have one. But they were kind of, because I'm like, that. Ain't, that's not going to work. And it, and it didn't seem to, you know, make any sense. Um, but... Everything's changed. Did Bow's you ever have
2: changed. a trail camera? Not a trail camera.
3: I guess a, tra- I don't know what they're called. A timer where you put the floss out over the trail. Oh, I seen them, but I never had one. I'm like, yeah. 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 Bear baits and stuff. Guys that yeah. use them all the time. Yep. But uh, yeah, everything's changed. Bows. My first bow was an 80 pound high country trophy hunter. It had 65 pound or 65% let off. Uh, overdraw, if you will. Aluminum arrows shot. Uh, 2218 uh, Easton aluminum arrows, uh, 125 grain thunderheads. Um, that thing shot fast. I mean, I was doing some math. I don't think my arrows were even four, they might have been right at 400 grains. You know, I get kind of caught up in all the front of center bullshit talk that everybody's so geeked out about, which, you know, there's, there's a lot to it, but people get so caught up in like, oh my God, I can't kill an elk. If my numbers aren't just right there. I'm like, God, I didn't even know what my arrow weighed, nor what, how much front of center he'd even had, um, back then. Nobody else did. Neither did the elk, and they died. Right? You shot, shoot out, shot elk with them, and they died. You didn't. I didn't get that many pass throughs. But with those aluminum arrows, they would go in and lodge in the ribs, and break off, and then just sit there and stir lungs like a mofo. Right? And they didn't go far. What has not absolutely changed absolutes when it comes to elk hunting in your thirty three years? Um hmm that's that's hard that's a hard one uh something that hasn't changed um hmm that's tough a lot has changed i think you know elk still uh the, the way they react to pressure you know there was a lot of pressure in certain areas back then and they People couldn't call him in. They had a hard time calling him in. So, even back then, there'd be days where you'd say, ah, oh, they're not talking. Um, that I, still happened? I didn't have that problem too much because right. the area I was right. in was like Target Rich. Mm-hmm. But some of the people, some of the peer, my peers in the community, which were usually older guys, you know, they were like, oh, another weekend, you know, I didn't hear an elk bugle and I didn't, you know, there's people everywhere and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but. I, f- I feel like you know it's, it's, people complained about the same old things the way elk come in and hang up that that hasn't changed elk elk i'm elk of they they've hung up since elk have bugled at each other they hang elk hang up on elk that's right elk hang, hang up on people you just have to kind of know how to play it from there so um yeah that's about that's about it i don't think there's been a lot that hasn't or that hasn't changed i mean everything's changed about elk hunting the crazy part well you know what here's another thing i was thinking about um success rates hasn't really changed much and you got it's crazy because i'm i got it's a little sore subject with me sometimes about i live in idaho we don't have lighted knocks. We don't have expandable broadheads. I could go either way. I'm not going to shoot expandables. I could give a shit if I shoot lighted knocks. They're cool. I don't know. I don't know if they made them legal. I don't know if I'd even shoot them. But the rhetoric that kind of goes along with why we don't have them, you know, I feel like our commissioners kind of take a narrow minded um, look at it. Um, you know, oh, if we give lighted knocks, next thing we're getting is tracking devices and heat seeking missiles on bows. (laughs) That's the first thing everybody says. And I'm like, what, why would that even be a consideration? Every other single rule in the fishing game regulations has very specific things attached to it. You know, um, why, uh, lighted knocks yeah it's define a lighted knock what it is and what it can do and what it can't do and makes make sure it states you can't have tracking devices in arrows I I mean, it's, it's unlawful to hunt with a tracking device arrow. I mean, it's, it's very simple what you can spell out what's lawful and what isn't. So I don't, I don't see why that's even an issue. Um, Idaho, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm not, I'm not super up on the times, but I don't think there's too many States left that don't allow light and knocks. Idaho's last one. Um, Pope and young. I mean, they're, I feel like they're kind of the, the rule or the, you know, the, the, the gold standard of what's acceptable for hunting. You know, I know what's fair chase lighted knocks, expandable broadheads are fair chase. Right. Yep. So that's one of the frustration, um, because there's all this rhetoric and all these people who say, Oh, if you get lighted knocks in Idaho, our success rates are going to go up and then they're going to take away tags. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't buy it a bit. We've got freaking laser range finders. We have bows that shoot faster than we ever have. We have all this awesome equipment that will stay, that, that keeps you in the woods, hunting harder, hunting longer. Yet we haven't doubled and tripled our success rates. We ha- I mean, you might have two or 3%, maybe. Maybe since 1989, so um, that, that's one thing. I mean, I, I'm going to get off my soapbox. I kind of sound like a grumpy old man, but it's it's kind of ludicrous sometimes the the argument these people put out for like, oh, well, we don't want lighted knocks because of this. Yeah, it's the big bad boge- boogie we're going to let through the door.
2: Uh, I agree with you, and, and I am man. There was a point where I was pretty passionate about having lighted knocks in Idaho, Um, but I don't love expandables, and I feel like it's a package deal, and I kind of love the fact that Idaho's a pure state where you can't shoot expandables still. So I kind of want to hold on to that, but I don't live full-time in Idaho, so I feel like I don't have a say.
3: Well, and I feel like the lighted knock issue is like... (laughs) just kind of a precursor to some of the other things in my frustration. I mean, you have to really get the commission's attention to even get your agenda on their talking points at their yearly meetings. Right. right? You have to have an act of God or it's got to be something pretty big for them to even put it on their agenda for them to even to talk about and vote about. Wow. So they won't even have that conversation and even put it on the agenda to have a vote. And so to me, it's like, they're not that open-minded. So right now in Idaho, they've, they've, there's been some people bypass the commission with the lighted knock issue and gone to the le- legislature and had a legislator bring forward a bill to man, to allow lighted knocks and suspendable broadhead. In Idaho. And I know, and People are losing their minds right now because this, you know, it will set precedent of the fit, the the game commission doesn't have a say, doesn't have a say. They're just having politicians making rules within the fish and game department. This is a very dangerous thing. That's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. And I, and I feel like, you know, something's got to be done. You you can't, you can't do that. Right. But I also, nobody's saying, okay, what's it going to take? To get the, the commission to hear out, seriously explore some of these topics instead of just dis- dismissing them as, you know, big bag boogeyman stuff. We're not even to hear it. Right. So, I don't know. It's it's funny. It's like, how do you get their attention? Large, you have to get organized. You have to form a very, very large group and then come at them in a different way and, and really get them talking about whatever – agenda you're trying to get changed yeah. in the regulations. But um, yeah, it's it's weird. So
2: we'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we're going to come back to you in a second. I want to hear about – this is um – I think you've been to every Oak Shape camp almost. You definitely were at my first one, and I want to talk about kind of what you do at camps. But before we got to get I am radness out to the airport, Clint McEnnis out of Utah. You came to Oak Shape camp last year as a camper. I asked you to come to this one and a few others to
5: help me out. Yeah. How are you? Uh, good. This was this was rad today. Like, yeah. the, the weekend has been awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. You did good. Here's the thing that that why I wanted you here because you're not, you don't have
2: 33 years of elk hunting under your belt, you know. But how many seasons of elk
5: actual elk hunting do you have under your belt? I have a whole one season of actual elk hunting.
2: So I like having you here because you've gone to camp and you've gone to a season. So you you attended, you listened, you learned, you went out, you tried the stuff. You're basically. A couple months ahead of a lot of these campers a lot of these campers here yeah. haven't haven't elk hunted yet and several have and several have killed elk but majority haven't yeah um so what kind of things were you seeing today what kind of excitement level what were people getting stoked on as far as campers go
5: oh man uh, i think they they come to camp not really expecting or knowing what to expect like a lot of them think that they're going to shoot a ton and that's all we're going to be working on and then we're going to show them how to sneak up on elk and and we don't cover any of that. <laughs> we do shoot and we, we shoot under duress, but uh, they they come in not knowing that there is literally everything that is covered in this. And I know you've shared a little bit of it online and, and through your podcast that we cover everything about elk hunting. They don't realize what everything contains.
2: Yep. Yep. And I think we overwhelm them a little bit. Oh my gosh, we do. But I think also uh, we help. Uh, you know, teach them that this is like a trajectory. This is a lifelong pursuit. You're like, yeah. you know, you only have so many days of football. I remember the last time I wore football gear, and I miss it dearly. But the, the reality is, I'm not going to be playing tackle football ever again, right? Whereas elk hunting, is something I can probably, if I take care of my health, I can lace up and go out with my boys and their boys, and and hopefully, you know, like we learned today, eventually die of getting attacked by a grizzly bear versus dying of COVID.
5: Yeah, that was the cool way to go out, I think.
2: Yeah, Livestate actually stood up and said that. You know, you guys want to... Because these guys were pretty scared of G-Bears. I mean, there was a consensus that these folks were pretty nervous to hunt in G-Bear country. And they didn't like that Mark was... And I was with Mark. I was like, man, you can't have paralysis by fear of a grizzly bear getting your way. And then Mark stood up and said, look... You want to have your kids talk about, yeah, man, my dad died in a hospital bed of COVID. Or do you want your kids up there saying, yeah, my dad died. He was fighting a grizzly. And, and you know, um, everybody laughed. We're not making fun of COVID. It's a serious thing. Don't send me an email. But um, just the fact that we're trying to get them comfortable with, hey, yeah, the, he, here's the here's what we do to mitigate hunting in bear country. Here's the best practices. It is so nice to have a seasoned veteran who takes llamas, which is food, in my opinion into the mountains and is super comfortable and he's explaining what he does how he guts his elk out in his underwear and that's a whole nother can of worms a different
5: story <laughs> yeah uh, it's a great one
2: so uh, you've been to two elk shape camps now you're going to the texas one
5: as well to help and the utah one and
2: the utah one um what are you most excited to help people with what what do you think your skill skill set what do you bring to the elk shape camp
5: Um, I'm, I'm here to kind of level up their minds. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm new to this hunting stuff, so I'm not here to add all the value in that direction. Yeah. I've got a little bit to say, but not much. Um, when, when I, what I bring to the table is, is about your mindset and about the people you have around you. Uh, so it's, it's more to do in life. Because that's where I excel. That's how I know how to win. Um, And let's be real, if you're excelling more in life, you're going to excel in elk hunting.
2: I bring you to these camps because you've been to a camp in their shoes, but you've also gone into elk hunting. The fire you bring to the table, because this is a... This is actually a personal development camp disguised as an elk hunting camp. Yeah. And that's what you are here to help me with. And you're doing a great job. I wish I could have you tomorrow, but I know you got to get back to your family. Um, But I will see you in Utah. Anything else you want to share with the audience?
5: No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Safe there.
2: travels, brother. I'll see you in Utah. Black Rifle Coffee Company, established in 2014. Veteran owned, proudly American. They support two way, they support hunting, and coffee is life if you're just like me. Head over to blackriflecoffee.com, click the coffee club, enter the discount code Elkshape, save 15%, and have fresh, new flavors of coffee delivered to your doorstep every month. Wilderness Athlete. I met the founder in 2006. I've been in love with this company ever since. They make a tremendous amount of products, not only for in the field, but during the off-season when you're training, and they got you covered when it comes to supplementing your nutritional intake. Look no further than the Hydrate Recover, whether you want to get tubs or the packets. Energy and Focus, meal replacements, daily strength protein, brute force pre-workouts, caffeine-free and with stimulant, altitude advantage, joint advantage, omega-3 fish oil, and a more head over to wildernessathlete.com. And if you've never bought anything from them before, make sure you enter the discount code ELKSHAPE30 to save 30% off your first purchase. Vortex Optics, proud partner since 2010, everything from rifle scopes, binoculars. Range finders, Vortex wear, and backed with their VIP warranty. Unlimited, unconditional. You break it, they'll fix it. Veteran owned, proudly American. Head over to VortexOptics.com. Check out their Vortex wear, fit for everywhere. Use the discount code Elk Shape. Take 20% off your scouting, everyday wear, clothing. And thank you, Vortex, for supporting Elk Shape for over 10 years. Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. You should join the millions of hunters who trust Onyx, including myself to find more honey holes discover new access and to be confident and know where you stand use the discount code ElkShape to save 20 percent off an elite membership get all 50 states be able to scout from a desktop and your phone everything syncs you can go to 3d mode onyx hunt is the cornerstone to all of my public land hunting success check it out at onxmaps.com buck knives out of post falls idaho Buck Knives has a wide variety of blade sharpness, lengths, finish, materials, whether they're serrated, carry systems, handle material, engravable, so many different accessories. Buck Knives has been in the game since 1902. They have a forever warranty, and they proudly support Elk Shape. We ask that you check out BuckKnives.com and proudly support American-made knives that help you break down your animal in the backcountry. Numa Outdoors. Use the discount code ElkShape20 to save 20 percent off your clothing. Numa has base layers, headwear, jackets, mid layers, outer pants, shirts, and vests. Check out the Pursuit Pant, the Renegade Quarter Zip Pullover, the Palisade Puffy, the Alpha Vertex Jacket, and the sleek lineup of base layers. Base Haven Quarter Zip Pullover, as well as Base Haven Pants. Undisputed. Undisputed. You came to the first elk shape camp. That was actually an actual elk shape camp. That was more about being in in, shape. in, in elk shape. I killed those guys. Yeah, um, and that was my first go. And I mean, I brought Ryan Lampers. I brought you, we did some elk vocalizations. Ryan did some, he talked quietly, but he talked about some gear, you know, Ryan. Backcountry food. Yeah.
3: Nutrition. Like
2: we didn't have a first aid. No. Backcountry medicine. Uh, we certainly didn't do e scabbing. We kind of did. I tried, Right. but man, I learned real quick. You got to stay in your lane. You got to be good at what you're good at. And, um, fast forward to today's
3: camp year, technically year five. And you've been to most of them. I've only missed like two or three how camps have things changed uh man we just got a huge group this time you know we got 50 people at the camp instead of teaching the whole classroom at once we kind of break into little in little groups this at this camp talk out calling you know um teach folks how to use the calls um and then then i kind of take some rabbit holes on why you would use that call why it's important so on and so forth but uh Dude, even with 50 guys, it's it's been great. Guys and some there's some some ladies in there too. Yep. And uh, one guy, uh, you know, one of our campers from last year brought his daughter, you know. Yeah. And they're going to share the love of elk hunting, you know, together. That's, That's special. so awesome. I was so impressed with that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was
2: really good, really good. I like that we I mean, sure you're here as the subject matter expert when it comes to how to make elk vocalizations when to make elk vocalizations. And then also, if you want to know when to make it, you better understand what they mean. Like, what are the elk saying to you? So you're kind of like an interpreter, Like you're showing up and you're like kind of the middleman, like you're interpreting what elk sounds mean and how we can interact with the elk because we're just trying to get them as close as possible. And that's great and all, but we also bring you in as kind of like, in my opinion, when I want to talk elk tactics, I like having you up there with me and we go back and forth and kind of discuss those. What do you think when it comes to elk tactics specifically, so people listening get something out of this, what do you think most people uh, overlook or Ignore when it comes to having multiple tactics in their repertoire, if you will. Where are they falling short?
3: You know, just human nature for a lot of elk hunters, especially new elk hunters, they fall short on on aggressive tactics. You know, they. They finally found elk, right? And you know, even myself, I it, sometimes it's hard to find elk. And then once you find them, it's like, oh, got it. Don't blow this. Yeah, up. don't screw it up. And you know, sometimes it's like the wallflower syndrome. You know, you you don't want to screw it up, so you kind of get you just kind of wait in the wings. And instead of you know waiting until the right time to strike, a lot of times that moment slips by because you're a little bit afraid to screw up and then it slips away the opportunity slips away so um, we like to try to talk about how to capitalize on those opportunities and don't let them slip away another thing you know i'm gonna say it you know we kind of go back and forth a lot you know i'm more you know you always talk about i'm more of a my bubble or you know put away the calls and and you know try to just get close and and hunt elk like that Um, i try to call elk most of the time but when country and terrain dictates and disposition of animals, I put I put I'll put the calls away too. In, in New Mexico this year, I didn't call nearly as much as I would in like North Idaho or somewhere. I shadowed the herds a lot, just followed bugles, followed bugles, get close, get close. If and when the time was right, I would call. On our video series, it's hard to even see that because you have to condense a full day's hunt into for two different people, Lampers hunt and my hunt in New Mexico, two full days of hunting into about a 30 minute episode. So, um, you don't really get, you don't see that vibe, but there's a lot of that, you know, sometimes you like Kenny Rogers said best, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. It's time to put the calls away and get close, shut up, get close. And then, when the time's right, maybe start calling or maybe not.
2: Yeah, I, I like the tactics discussion, and we're going to do that tomorrow. We're going to make sure we, we, know, we check off a few more boxes on tactics because we could do it all day, and these guys eat it up. Talk for hours. But I do like giving them several different scenarios so at least they can get them thinking through things. Uh, I don't want them to black out on the mountain and be right. like, if I forgot everything, what should we do? I don't know. Just <laughs> bugle. But anyways, we brought – so Jimmy G, this is – what camp number is this for you?
6: I think this is number five, I want to say. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's quite a few. So you came uh, you approached me as, Hey, I want to attend your camp as a camper, but if you need any backcountry medicine, I'd be more than happy to. And I think I kind of, uh, I'm going to just kind of guess what I said. Cause I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure I kind of probably brushed you off a little bit. It was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Send me your itinerary. Uh, what's your credentials? But you did, you stayed on top. You stayed on top of it. You got me all the information kind of looked into it. And I was like, okay, cool. crap. This guy's got a really good resume. And he kind of knows what he's talking about. Okay. I'll give him like a half hour before lunch on like the third day. I'll just squeeze him in real quick and see what he's got. And I remember you hit it out of the park. And now you're like day two main feature guy, possibly one of the most favorite things because what you're talking about at your presentation is, hey guys, you owe it to your hunting partner's family. So if you and I were hunting partners, you owe it to Alicia, Avery and Tristan to take care of me when I, have something bad happen. And I owe it to you and to your family to be able to get you out of the mountains. So I need to be fit, healthy, and know how to use every single thing in my med kit and not like see it for the first time when I'm like going through and it trying to get something out because you're about to die. Right. Absolutely. Yep. (laughs) Give everybody a little snapshot into why, why Jimmy kits, although the technical name is Orion medical
6: group so yes that's our company we're uh, ryan medical consulting um and jimmy kits has stuck you know we initially put it on as the outdoor first aid kit and they're like what's that it's jimmy kits so i think you actually trademarked that so maybe dirt i think yeah i think it's uh i'll probably get hit with some trade some uh lawsuits here from that <laughs> oh no
3: no the og jimmy <laughs> yeah, kits. that's
6: right the original so you know i first found actually dan like I first found elk shape when I was looking at going out West and going hunting. Like I, I, I knew I I had a steep learning curve. I didn't know much about, I knew about operating in the mountains, but out West was completely different. So I was going through the YouTube rabbit hole and I came across your YouTube series and I was like, well, this guy's pretty fit and pretty intense. And I like, I, identify with the level of intensity. So I started following your website. And I bought your 90 days to freedom program and I hit you up a couple times about it. And then I'm like, man, I got to go to one of these camps. And it was such, I saw the value of that. And it's like, man, it was such a hunting was such a a relief for me from like a, a mental health perspective. And as well as just kind of a way that I could get back to the the community that I left from the special operations community. I, I, I served there for seven years and I was, you know, before that I was in the 82nd. So I had this really close connection with, with a group of brothers and I moved up here to Wisconsin and I was kind of like, kind of just on my own, like a a boat that was just kind of drifting, drifting off. And I didn't really have anybody I couldn't connect to. And then I saw the hunting community and then that kind of pulled me back into the fold. So my mission then like, you know, for about two years, I didn't have a mission. And if you have vague intentions, you're going to have disastrous results. So that's one of those things where... I was just, and I can't even, I, somebody had told me that, and I was like, man, that that was me 100%. You know, I, I didn't have any goals on what I wanted. I just, I'm like, well, I'm just going to go work at this hospital, and I'm going to come home, and I just was a shell of the man that I used to be, and hunting was that catalyst for me, just getting back into it, getting my spark back, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to this camp. I don't know, like, I am I requested off for it, and I'm like, I need to give something of value back to the community that's done, that's given something for me. And that, that was my big thing. It's like, man, I, 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 can give something that's bigger than myself again. And that's really what, what drove me to, so I, I came down to the camp, I presented, and I was super excited just to have the opportunity to present. Cause it was, you know, with seeing, you know, following you and, and Dirk and, and Jeff, it was just great to be, you know, just offered the chance to speak and then we were at camp and you said, Hey, you know, you should really start your own company. And I was like, "No, nah, I don't know. That's not really, you know, that's not really my thing. And you're like, no, you need to do it. So I, I called my wife, Amy at the time. and I said, Hey, you know, they really think we should do this. You know, we should start this business. And, uh, you know, I had a medical education background and they're like, you should really start this company. So we went back and pretty much, everything we had, everything, you know, I started selling basically everything I owned in order to start buying inventory to develop these aid kits. And the idea that we had behind this first aid kit wasn't just to sell a product. We wanted to equip and more importantly, educate people in using this equipment just like you guys are doing with, with elk hunting, you know, with e scouting, with aerophysiology. I mean, Bill's gonna be on here talking that was like one of the most informative lectures I've ever heard on the physics of AeroFlight. It was awesome. Dirk with his tactics and elk calling, it's just next level. So I hope to do that on the medical side of showing people like one, what they should put in their kits. You don't need to spend $200 on a first aid kit. There's stuff, a lot of stuff you can just get from your local Walgreens, Walmart, but we want to condense it in a format that's easily digestible and that people are going to look at and not open it up and everything spills out everywhere and you have... 17,000 packets of, of antibacterial ointment and like 10 little gauze and a bunch of tape. We want it to be simple where it's like, Hey, we want to stop the bleed. We want to cover wounds. We want to splint injuries. And more importantly, what's your extraction plan? You know, so often we, with all these technologies out there, we're built on, well, somebody's, you know, it's this, somebody's coming to get me. Nobody is coming for you. You need to be your own solution. You need to get yourself out of there because you know it's like I have my family. Like if I'm hunting with a group, like I'm, I feel like I'm responsible to make sure that everybody comes back. And that's you know that was the same mission that I took when I was on active duty, and I'm just carrying that carrying that forward. So our goal really is we want to be we want to provide the best education for backcountry hunters out there, and we want to just reach the masses because this is like this isn't any top secret information. Like I don't have a top secret tourniquet. You know, this should be readily available to everybody. I think they should be selling tourniquets in grocery stores just because I think it's that important. Doing the hands-on tourniquets
2: today with the live apparatus with blood coming out, people stuffing wounds, hands-on, like with the fake blood coming out everywhere. Uh, That stuff was powerful. I hope we get to do that again. Absolutely. You said one thing today, and I'm going to finish with this, that kind of like called me out. Like, uh, for the last couple of years, you gave me a Jimmy kit last year. I think you gave me another one like updated and now we have a brand new one that's coming out. By the way, I'm going to be selling them on my, uh, elk shape website soon. We're just waiting for them to drop. So check those out and then you can check it on Jimmy's website. I'll provide links in the show. However, you said your, your med kit shouldn't be in the very bottom of your pack. And I was like, oh, shit, mine's in the very bottom of my pack. I keep them in little Kufaru bags that are all the same, and I don't know which one it is. And I don't even – so how's my hunting partner? Like, So I don't hunt with anyone, but like I hunt with, say, Jake Webb or if Dirk and I were hunting together. It's a really good idea, and I'm going to do this this year with anyone I share a camp with because I do hunt solo, but I'm going to share a camp. We in reach. We're in comms. I'm going to say, hey, Dirk, what's in your first aid kit? what here's what's in mine? where do you keep yours here's where I keep mine I'm a former EMT firefighter I know better I know how to use everything in my kit so I think the two biggest mistakes people make is they don't know how to use everything in their kit yep. so have a purpose have reps or whatever everyone should know that and then tell your hunting partners where that thing is in your pack exactly that blew my mind I'm not I have been not doing that and I felt called out on that I was gonna,
3: I'm gonna work on that man awesome that's cool I right, are well, excited for you Jimmy yeah, and I'd like to say, too, everybody says across social media, everywhere, hey, guys, you know, what, what, what do you have for a first aid kit? What Do you have one? You, you should probably have one. But nobody says what you should have in your kit. What do I need, some Neosporin and a Band-Aid? What, what do I need, right? Until Jimmy came to camp and spelled it out and then told us how important and how to use this stuff. It it really blew my mind. I'm like, oh my God, everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to hear what Jimmy has to say, this presentation, and everybody needs one of these damn kits. And I'm not just trying to push him because I think Jimmy's a cool guy, which I do think Jimmy's a super cool guy. He's about one of the best guys I know, but it's that important. And then what's the great part is he's selling a, a product and giving you instructions on how to use it. Absolutely. And that is priceless. And he... Find it somewhere else in the hunting community. You can't. Not that thorough.
2: Not and J- that easily. And Jimmy, thorough. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, man, but like. You've seen some really bad shit. You have a lot of combat experience when it comes to just, let's just say medical combat experience that some people can hardly will not ever, you've seen some stuff that maybe you shouldn't have seen, you know, and and I didn't appreciate that even as a firefighter for that small step. I started to understand, wow, firefighters see the worst of the worst Oh yeah. and I don't know how you shake that stuff off and I don't expect you to talk about any of that kind of stuff, but you said you were like. A shell of a man that you used to be, you come back, you're not operating anymore, you're pretty empty, you're looking, and then you found hunting, and you, the first instinct of Jimmy G was, how can I give back to the hunting community? That just speaks to your um, character, and there are other guys out there. I just want to finish with you. Like maybe reach out to these guys right now. Maybe this happened to listen to this episode. They've had some combat experience or they've served, they're a veteran and they're back home and maybe they haven't got, they haven't found their thing yet. And maybe it's the outdoors. Talk to them real quick.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I know there's thousands of men and women out there that are just like me. We have the experience, we've come back and now we're looking for that next mission because that's all we've been working towards is a mission and an objective. Well, your new mission is to be not only just the best version of yourself, but the best version for your community. You know, you see guys like, like Evan with Black Rifle Coffee, and there's this, been this big, you know, veteran awakening where people are stepping up, taking leadership roles and really putting, you know, veterans on the spot to do what we were doing in the military. And that's, and that's providing purpose and direction and motivation for individuals. And it's, it's, for me, like teaching that class today was just so rewarding for me because I get to pass that knowledge on. And if it helps just one person, that's a win in my book. If, if, if it just out of the 50 people, if one person goes out and puts a tourniquet on somebody, that's great. I, I can I can go to sleep at night. And I think for those that are out there, you know, I think the outdoor community is just such a a welcoming place of like minded individuals with similar values. And I, I can't think of a better home. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for coming. We'll see you at the next camp.
2: Guys, we're gonna bring on Iron Will Bill and then we're gonna end with Mrs. Elkshape. So Iron Will Bill, come on over. So I uh, met Bill, gosh. I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure. I think we talked on the phone a few times about probably some nerdy arrow conversations, but I've known about Iron Wheel Bill for a long time, and I like his background, and he is a diehard bow hunter. How many years have you been bow hunting Iron Wheel
1: Bill? Oh, you're going to age me now. I've been bow hunting for 40 years. So, yeah, since I was 12, I guess, 53, 41 years, I guess, bow hunting. So, yeah, I started, you know, my my grandfather and my dad were bow hunters. My dad was a traditional bow hunter. Um, growing up in Wisconsin, that's what everybody did. You know, deer hunting and Green Bay Packers were kind of two religions everybody was into and still is, if I think here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I love bow hunting. I love bow hunting whitetails. And then it's, it's a dream of a lot of uh, Wisconsin boys, at least when I was uh, growing up, too. Go elk hunt the mountains sometime. And you know, you'd hear about it from a guy or two in, in town or, or somebody that'd been out there. But yeah, I grew up bow hunting whitetails in Wisconsin. I had a chance to get to take a job in Colorado. It's been um, like 22 years ago now. So I, uh, yeah, took the job out there and been started elk hunting the mountains and just fell in love with it. You know, um, to the point where even though bow hunting whitetails was my favorite thing to do at the time, I quit doing it for 10 years because I loved, um, hunting elk in the mountains so much and, and mule deer as well, but just that, that out West hunting
2: you and like you were, you were in all in on out West. So I asked a couple of these veteran hunters, I'm going to ask you the same thing in 41 years of bow hunting. Tell me something. Let's talk about elk specifically. What has not changed?
1: Uh, I say what has not changed is probably the elk numbers. Aren't really too much different. I think the elk behavior isn't too much different. Um, you know, the, the, the places they go, um, and, you know, how to hunt them, what can be effective. I'd say maybe, uh, some things have changed with pressure for sure. What I've seen, um, it used to be, you know, I, I wasn't a very good elk hunter. When I moved out there, there wasn't the technology there is today to learn. And I didn't really have a mentor, you know, I went out there, worked for a startup company in Boulder, Colorado, and I had no idea. I went to my first, you know, company, um, lunch and, and asked where everybody elk hunted. And I was the only elk hunter in the company. Oh boy! And, uh, which surprised me. I mean, I thought, what you live in the mountains and you're not hunting elk. And, uh, so anyway, I didn't have a lot of people to learn from. So it was, it was a lot different than white tail hunting. It took me quite a few years to really get it figured out. Um, so, you know, the first 10 years, not a lot of success, um, the past, but you know, I made that you know, I got to the point where I just started, I was so passionate about it. And I let that, you know, mishaps and mistakes kind of fuel the passion to, to improve everything. Absolutely. You know, um, it was just a fire burning to get better at everything. My, my gear, my, my shooting, my fitness level, my elk knowledge. And, you know, it took quite a few years, but now the last 10 years I've been really successful, you know, getting bulls, um, you know, every year. And um, it really kind of that ten percent odds, I think it's like ten percent of the guys, or you know, or less. Five percent of the guys are getting one, like almost every year, and it's uh, it's not a lot of the new guys are getting it. And there's just a lot to learn with elk hunting. But once you kind of get that whole package, you get it figured out, you can be very successful at it.
2: Well, you covered it, and it is the fuel. It is the greatest fuel. It can be if you let it be certainly was mine, which is what probably started this whole elk shaped camp idea was like, man, I don't know if I want people to go through as long a learning curve as I did. How can I shorten that? at least so they have more enjoyable time. But no matter what we arm this, arm them with when it comes to knowledge and tactics and aeroscience and elk vocalizations and fitness, you, you can't replace experience. And you're going to have to go out there and cut your teeth in the elk woods. That's the bottom line. Like you have to go out there. And what a great excuse to chase adventure in the mountains of the, of the western slopes, of all, you know, the front range, the back, all that. Elk hunting is special indeed. But more importantly than that, there's some things that have changed about elk hunting that I think could be seen as negatively or positively. I'm not sure what came to mind when I, you heard me asking those guys, what were you thinking is, man, what has really, really changed? Like eye opening with elk.
1: Yeah. One thing that I've seen in, in my area and I've been going, I've been hunting wilderness areas, trying to go back in. Cause I, I just hate the hunting. I hate hunting pressure. I hate running into other hunters. Um, going after the same elk, things like that. So I'd rather go further in. And, uh, it used to be, I'd get away from people by doing that. That has definitely changed. I think, you know, the technology and the elk e-scouting and Google earth, um, this one basin I've hunted on, on opening, um, weekend for many years to myself, you know, several years to myself, you know, had it. And two years ago, there's two elk, two camps in there of guys. They'd never been in there before. They'd both seen, you know, elk on Google earth by this little water hole up there. And, uh, you know, things like that. Um, the other thing is that there's more guys that are, 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 are fit and wanting to get back in there. You know, they're, they're reading camp, you know, campaign's book or, or, or your, your stuff maybe, or whatever. They're, they're more driven to to get back in there and, and find it. And, and that, that high basin stuff is, it's cool. You know, there you can see a long ways up there. It's cool country and there's a lot more guys hitting those high basins. So that's not always the best place to be anymore for elk hunting.
2: Yeah. So you had to evolve. Um, uh, so at your lecture today and, and really I've had you, at, this is your second camp and we're going to try to get you as many of these camps as we can this year. We bring you in because how do I say this nicely? You can't argue with science. And I I know there's a lot of narratives on, man, you should shoot this arrow and this broadhead and this front of center. And and man, I know it because I get these questions every day of my life and I'm not an engineer. Did you know that? I'm not an engineer. I'm an exercise (laughs) physiology guy. I bring you in here to dispel a lot of the myths that that come across the interwebs. Uh, People will watch a YouTube channel. Um, Nothing against YouTube channels. I have one, but I'm just saying like they might take something that they see on YouTube as gospel. And so that's really why I brought you here is because you're a tenured bow hunter. I think you're only a bow hunter, like an exclusive bow hunter Yeah, like me.
1: You're just like bow hunting or nothing. I used to rifle hunt many years ago, but it's for the last maybe 12 years or something, nothing but bow hunting.
2: Dude's bow hunting. And so I bring you in here to answer their questions. What are some of the most common questions you received the last couple of days?
1: Yeah, you know what? It's, a lot of people are confused, especially if they're just getting into bow hunting or or if they've been hunting the Midwest for whitetails and they want to go out West. um, You know, they're hearing from some people like, you know, you need light and fast for the longer shots, you might get out West. But then they also hear like you need really heavy arrows, 650 grain plus for elk. And it, it creates confusion with people because there's, there's too many things that are people's maybe opinion that are kind of stated as fact. And, and people get confused, you know, what they should really do. And so what I try and do is just cover, cover the physics there with, um, with arrow flight and stability with a fixed blade broadhead on the front. And I highly recommend fixed blades for, for elk hunting um, to get more penetration. And so the, the flight of that arrow is different. It's going to act differently than field point. Um, even though if the manufacturers all say flies like a field point, well, they don't really, you know, the, the airflow biome is differently. Um, they're, they're more, they cause more instability. So you need more vein on the back and we go through that and some more rotation, all the things you can do with your setup to make that fixed blade head fly better. And then so like, what are some of the trade-offs with mass and just kind of cover some of the laws of physics there that you, and this, you know, that's really not my opinion. The laws of physics are the right. facts there. And so that's <laughs> what I try and tell them is like, these are the facts. Um, these are some of the things you hear out there that defy the laws of physics. So they're not true. Um, but then they really, these are the trade-offs between mass and velocity, um, you know, things like that. So I just spell it out like. This is an opinion, this is fact, and this this is how, you know, mass will continuously improve your penetration, but it's going to decrease your trajectory and, and you know, how to kind of weigh those trade-offs to get the trajectory you want, the most mass you can with the trajectory you want to get the most penetration. And, you know, things like that. Just talk to them about what what's the physics involved here and what are really the trade-offs and why offense somewhere in the middle, like 450 to 550 grains, say, is a good... Out west bow hunting weight, for instance, I think, and, and why, and, and so it 's stuff like that, just trying to make them understand um, you know in in vein height and angle and why you want some rotation there to 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 average out any asymmetries of the arrow or the head and and uh, just some of the things that can help them. Um, with their setup and then choose the setup that's kind of right for them for elk hunting or western bow hunting in general.
2: Dirk we're going to run our setups through his filter his brain and then we're going to I want to hear Iron Will Bill's filter uh, what he's running so what are you using for elk in 2022 or at
3: least if you don't know what did you use last year uh i'm gonna run the same stuff because i've got since i didn't kill an elk in 2021 i've got lots of arrows left oh, oh god hear <laughs> it what do you got so i'm gonna be easy an easy keeper this year um so i'm running the black eagle rampage um i think they're a 250 spine um I think they're about 450 grains i've got the iron wheel single bevel with bleeder blades 125 all
1: right see i didn't even know that so that's cool
3: yeah they got the um hit insert i think they call it see i don't geek out a huge it's okay do you know what grains of the iron wheel hit insert you used? I probably do i think i have it written down here um on
1: my- use the impact collar too yes impact collar Excellent. Um, which one you're not going to know. Which one do you think he used? Uh, looks like a, a hardened steel guy to me. Yeah. I don't know. But your total
3: arrow weight was what? 455, I think. Um, Seems like
1: it would be a little heavier than that. With a 125 head, hit in the collar.
3: That doesn't sound right. Yeah. Here we go. Here's my uh, recipe. Okay, 28 inches long. And 125 head. 14 point, 14.2% FOC. Yeah,
1: yeah th- that's that's a great setup. I think the Black Eagle Rampage, very straight arrow. Spine consistency is good. Um, I really like the, the hit system concept where the, the broadhead shank, you know, aligns directly to the ID of the arrow. So it's going to spin true, um, reinforce that with the impact collar that overlaps the hit. So it's strong and you kind of built that strength into the arrow, um, and the alignment's going to be good and spin true and fly about as good as, as you can with that good alignment and true spinning there. And then, yeah, that's one 25. That's a great elk head, um, our 120 our single bevels were new last year but it's the same kind of blade geometry as our our solid or s125 and that's a that's what i killed my bull with this year was that exact um broadhead
2: it's been quite a demand for that single bevel since you guys kind of got on there what did you see on your bull when you cut them open after shooting them with that single bevel from iron will
1: yeah and i've and I've shot a lot with the, our S125 solid, so I really wanted to get one this year with a single bevel to kind of see the difference. And what I say is the the entrance hole was a square, um, so I post that on, the, on our Instagram, and I've seen that on I think six animals now where it's like a perfect square almost where it goes in. You showed
2: me that last year, and
1: it's that um, it's that you know with that bleeder, there's this cross cut and it's rotating. And I don't know exactly how it makes a square, but it's it's cutting, you know, an irregular shaped hole um, as it goes in. So I would say, um, you know, my bull, it wasn't a long shot. It was a 30 yard shot and, you know, blew through him kind of through the meaty part of the shoulder, kind of in the V, but not in the bones. Um, buried in the dirt um, behind him, about a foot in the rocky dirt, hard to pull out. So penetration was great. And um, it was a double lung, about yeah. About at the crease, it wasn't a heart, but a double lung. Um, he went 17 yards and stumbled and dropped. So pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, he was dead fast. less than five seconds. Um, and yeah, the lungs were pretty tore up. So I think that rotation through the animal just does a little more tissue damage. Um, I've been a double bevel guy, you know, fan for years. And I, I, I can't say that I'm gonna choose single bevel necessarily over double bevel, but there are some cool things that opens up holes and shreds inside a little more. Um, You know, the double bevels, you know, results have been similar. If you hit hit them well, they're killing them, but the single bevel is kind of cool that it rotates and does a little more tissue damage, opens up holes pretty good.
2: Is there any science to the single bevel versus the double bevel solid, let's say 125, being able to penetrate more, let's say if you hit scap? Are they going to be the same or
1: similar? What I've seen is that they seem to be similar. Um, you know, there, there's some theories out there that single bevels will penetrate better because they pop bone apart further. You know, they are rotating through the bone. They're torquing it. There's a little breakaway there. Um, you know, I don't know. I think with, with compounds and the speed I'm going, the the double bevel is also breaking, breaking bone apart um, pretty well. Um, in theory, with that torque, I would think it might take a little more energy because of that rotation, but you've got that rotational momentum of that arrow at impact that just kind of continues through there. So it seems like you're having there's kind of minimal negatives to ben- to penetration. Um, uh, there's minimal difference, it seems like, in penetration. They both are doing really well.
2: I did get to shoot one bear um, with your, yeah, your 125 single bevel solid this year same results open it up oh my gosh never seen that before never seen that kind of trauma all the way through you know what i mean yeah it's the hard holes to through the
1: lungs and the liver or whatever aren't, aren't just a cross anymore they're it's like a it's an opener hole. it's like a drill bit it's it's spinning up tissue and cutting it it's so weird it's, yeah it is. i've never seen
2: anything like it so that that was eye-opening and then i kept the one in my quiver all year long i always had one in there um but the arrow that i chose for this last year and I, i'm undecided in 2022 cuz i tinker or whatever but i i ha- i have an x impact that i'm kind of set up and shooting. And I, and I really like those four mils. Um, but the, the rip TKO is what I ended up with. I used, um, uh, a max helical to the left, uh, AE max stealth veins, three veins, put, um, an 80 grain. It's actually a gold tip traditional half cert is what it's called, but it's like 80 grains up front. And then I used a, a 125 grain fill point or broadhead. So my FOC was a touch over fifteen percent, which is fine. I don't try to be way high. I don't I certainly try not to be low and low to me would be like ten percent. Like twelve to fifteen's always been kind of my goal. But the total arrow weight was four forty Eight, and I shoot pretty high poundage bow, and my arrows are really short because I cut them short. They look like they're short.
1: They're, they're, they're what speed are your arrows going? You
2: know? High, to like two two ninety, pretty high, like higher okay. than I'm used to. I I, I used to shoot uh, Easton Axis match grades, and before that it was FMJs. So it seems like when I started elk hunting, I was shooting elk with five hundred and thirty grains. Uh, and then I kind of got it somehow got it down to 505 for a long time and then I dropped to Eastern Axis which put me in the 470s and then I dropped now to the Rip TKOs and I'm in the four high 40s high 440s I don't know if I want to go much lower I still I, I don't know but it seemed to be working so
1: yeah I mean I probably wouldn't go any lighter either I think um if you're at 290 feet per second. Um, I think you're better off, at, you know, adding mass and, re, you know, and not going any higher than that. That's kind of what I recommend to, to people if they're at, at two, if they're 290 or higher. You're better off just adding some more mass. You're going fast enough at, two, at 280, 285, and why not get that additional penetration from that more momentum out there? Because um, your trajectory is going to be, you know, great at that kind of speed anyway. So you're going to be able to make, you know, shoot very far with that. Um, yeah, with the X-Impact, it's a micro. So, I mean, the the good things about micro is a little less wind drift, a little bit less drag, um, some, and over the, the – but the negative from the 204 is you can't just have a standard diameter broadhead that fits down inside of it. And so you can't do that reinforced hit system with a standard diameter broadhead. So it forces you to do a, a half-out or an outsert. And the things I don't like about that is um, – for one, there's a kind of a tolerance stack up from your arrow to that, the shank going in it to that, the rest of the part going out and then that bore and then the clearance to your broadhead. And then, so if your, your broadhead, it's just not going to spin as true, probably. There's just more tolerances to where it could easily be 5,000s off one way or another. Um, so it might not fly quite as well. It might open up your groups a little bit if there's more run out or more, you know, tip wobble, say, um, Whereas if you can kind of build it all in with the with the hit system, you just take out those tolerances and build that strength kind of back in. You also kind of have a lever arm when you're out there. So if you have a side impact, there's actually about five times as much stress on your arrow when you're mounting the whole broadhead out in front of your arrow and you get a side impact because of that lever arm. That makes
2: sense from just – and you're making your arrow longer, right, when you had these
1: component trees, which has kind of been – on my radar, to be honest with you. So, so I mean the systems we offer are the either the dip, deep six or Snyder core system that have that one six five diameter shank. Um that they, will go down in the arrow and do and give you that reinforcement system does it go? again. Um a, a deep six has the shank's like point three inches and then you start hitting the threads and the overall length's maybe about three quarters of an inch. Um and then, you know, the hit insert is behind that, another inch and a half, depending on which weight hit insert you pick. Um, what are your options? Uh, 15 grain, 25, 50, 7,500. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And then with our impact collar, you can go 10 or 25 grain. So the combined system of the hit insert impact collar, you can go as low as 25 grains for both of them together in yeah. titanium or as high as 125 yeah. if you want to add that much weight. But then the Snyder core system has a one inch long shank. So that's. That's really, um, it's, you know, it's a custom system. It It's um it's not going to work with other, you can't like unscrew that and screw a different broad hit in, but it's probably the strongest, that one inch long shank running down the diameter and then a hit insert behind that. So you got about two inches of reinforced kind of core with hardened steel or titanium and then that collar over it. It's going to spin really good, be really strong. But again, it's a, it's a, it's a custom system. So it's, you pretty much just got to shoot. A cider field point, a cider broadhead, if you're going to switch to that system.
2: It's good options. And now you guys know why I bring Iron Will Bill to Elk Shape Camps. This guy's brilliant, uh, founder, co founder of Iron Will Outfitters. They make really high end, sharp broadheads that have some crazy sharpness. Is there a broadhead that's sharper than yours? No. Not that you know of, right? <laughs> Not that I've measured so far. Great. That's cool. And you're going to be at a couple more Elk Shape Camps.
1: Definitely, um, texas yeah oregon and, te- oregon and texas oregon i think texas. i'll make it
2: it's just it's just gonna be great i'm honored to have you um i know that you're sacrificing a lot of your time and resources to be at these camps and it doesn't go unrecognized i thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here i still hold you up as one of the most knowledgeable reliable guys out there who doesn't have an agenda
1: and is experienced in the field so thank you for being you bill i appreciate it yeah, thanks dan what's well, it's a good bunch of guys you have here you know jimmy dirk and mark and everybody um it's a good crew, and you know we're just help trying to help elk hunters be better elk hunters. So it's, you know, it's, there's some great energy there. It's, it's been fun to to do these things. So and it's it's kind of like giving back to the trying to make better hunters out of out of the younger guys or guys that are just getting into it.
2: Absolutely, cool. Last but not least, Mrs. Oakshape, come on over. Back to e-bikes these guys provide awesome e-bikes for the mountains i use them out west specifically logging roads they have more torque than any other e-bike competitor they're built for hunters by hunters they're an awesome brand to work with out of salt lake city check them out at baku.com blackovus.com is where i buy all my hunting gear I have a discount code that I use myself. It is Elkshape. It takes 10% off. Their shipping is fast and free. Their selection is vast and deep. Go to blackovis.com, Check out their full lineup of clothing, footwear, optics, archery, arrows, camping, and all the brands. SpyPoint Trail Cameras, the world's number one cellular trail camera brand. Extremely affordable. My favorite is the Link Micro LTE, the smallest, smallest, best value camera dependable reliable go to spypoint.com and check out all their options when it comes to trail cameras and accessories kafaru international my good homeboy aaron snyder and frank the tank these guys are american made 100 i typically use the hoodlum the 22 mag or the striker xl in the backcountry the frame is second to none Head over to Kufaro International. Be sure to check out their packs, their frames, tents, shelters, sleeping systems, stoves, lots of accessories, as well as closeouts. You won't be disappointed. Matthews Archery. Introducing the all new V3X. You have a 29 and 33 option. These guys are out of Sparta, Wisconsin. Head over to MatthewsInc.com. Click the bow builder and start customizing your next awesome bow hunting rig. Crispy USA Head over to CrispyUS.com Peruse the vast selection of Awesome boots for mountaineering, backpacking And of course, my favorite The Colorado GTX for elk hunting There are also some good options for everyday wear Like my daily driver, the Ativa Mid GTX, and then if you're into stocking Like I am, look no further than the Laponia GTX, check out the Core boot lineup, everything starts From the ground up on your next adventure Choose wisely, be sure to check out CrispyUS.com that's right, guys, so Alicia's helped me out with a couple of elk shaped camps that are local, but this is your first time traveling. It's been a few years you've seen. I don't know you're in two days now I mean I've told you about camps right like I tell you like what we do and stuff but let's be honest let's just set the record straight Dirk Alicia doesn't watch what I do on Instagram or what I do on YouTube she certainly doesn't listen to my podcast Alicia's not into that she's into like that's elk shape Dan she's she married me Dan Staten so
3: all she cares is if there's
2: some elk meat in the freezer every year that's right? it yeah well that's that's I do debatable. like that yeah she does like elk meat thank god right
7: yeah Yeah. I'm so happy to be here this weekend. Um, it's been very enlightening to say the least. What an amazing thing that you guys are doing. Um, it's actually like you said, you tell me about the camps, but actually being here in person, the guys that have been here this weekend, like the campers, they are so motivated and the energy in there. I mean, if you, they're so excited about it and that's exciting to me. I don't care what you're excited like it's there's passion and and all of the speakers as well. I mean, they're excited to be there to share their knowledge. And you know, these campers, a lot of them are really new to the game and just to see Uh, the light bulbs go off for a lot of them has been so cool.
2: I can promise you a lot of the light bulbs haven't gone off though. Like We'll tell them stuff, Dirk and then they don't really know what we're telling them and then they go out in the woods and then they go and make these mistakes and they're like that's what Dirk meant about the hang up
3: spot. That's when they have their epiphany.
2: They have their epiphanies. I'm serious. It, oh, I believe that, and that's why you see people that are coming back, and they just were at Elk Shape Camp last year. They're like, oh, "Okay, I went Elk hunting. I I've been Elk hunting. I I kind of got what you're saying, but now I really and I, and I'm ready to absorb more because I can. Yeah. There's layers to this thing, man. It's, it's like too there's much levels.
7: information. I mean, not too much. It's just so much information that you can't possibly absorb it. And it's just like going to nursing school. I mean, you are told certain things. But until you actually get your hands on people and start working in the field, like, you're never going to know exactly how to do it. So... I feel like that's a good analogy.
3: It's like taking Spanish in high school and then taking a trip to Mexico. Exactly. And thinking you're going to communicate with someone. <laughs> they look at all. you like, what did you just say? <laughs> Why? I don't even know what you're saying.
2: Oh, man. It's, it's, been, it's cool. And the, and the nice thing is like, we still have another day to go where you get to actually help out yeah which i'm super pumped to have some help man like i'll be honest like dirk and bynum and whoever else anytime it's the fitness day it's like they're like yeah i just get to sit back and chill and and tell jokes and um and then get up there when i grab them for like little elk tactic parts but like it's like tomorrow i have like the most help i've ever had i got ben from wad prep i got mrs elk shape uh we're gonna have some fun with these guys
7: yeah. And I think they kind of have a taste of what they're in for based on the uh, litmus test that we did in the archery range. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's going to be awesome and you need the help because we've got a lot of guys there. So it'll be great to have more eyes on the on the athletes out tomorrow Um making sure forms good and and so that they're allowing that information to sink in and, and really get the movements down
2: it was interesting that you brought brought up the sheet and dress stuff Dirk because we like we did step it up a little bit but it's not nothing crazy I promise but um 50 percent their of the camper's legs would kind of give out because oh. they just had they just lactic acid and they were just sitting there doing some running some lunges some squats and shooting their bow. Nothing crazy. Right. I mean, some people didn't even break a sweat. Um, but some people like 50% of them legs would kind of give out, like they hit failure and they're not wearing a backpack and they haven't been hunting for several days in a row. Um, these guys are here at our camp, well fed at seven
3: thousand feet. They, they're not at elevation.
2: They're hydrated. They slept in a warm bed last night, and here they are. Their legs are failing them. And I'm telling them, I'm not Drill Sergeant Dan out there. I'm just telling them this. That's so good that this happened right now. It's February. You can totally fix this, man. Like you have time, and it's and so it was nice to see some people like they were frustrated, they were maybe like disappointed in themselves, and then to hear your coach say, "Hey." No, that we wanted to be exposed. To this. We wanted to see what what your legs could do and That's why we're doing it. And you can fix it totally got time. Um what did you think about everyone's attitude in the shoot because you hung out with me at the shooting of dress drills. What did you think about these guys, man? And gals.
7: So much effort put forth. I mean, people are excited to be there. And, you know, let's be honest, they they want to look good for you, Dan. Um and so I think they gave it their all. Uh but yeah, definitely exposed some people and helped enlighten them. I think that's the best word uh, for it. To know, yeah, I got to work on this because, and and you said it during camp, when you're going to come to my mountains and hunt these hills and you can't even do 30 split lunges without your legs giving out, like you got work to do. But again, it's February. We've got time. So um, tomorrow I think will be really helpful in giving them some tools To work with along the way.
2: It's funny because, like, on the fitness day. When this camp started it was a three day fitness camp, basically, you know. And now we really don't save we don't do a ton of actual fitness nutrition coaching till the end, although I love that it's just it's not what's it's not the cornerstone to killing an elk. Fat people kill elk, skinny people kill elk, old men, young men. We're doing the fitness thing now to try to get people to become old men. We want old elk hunters. Dirk, I pray to God you are always elk hunting as long as you're on this planet. Even if you're fortunate enough to be in your nineties, I I want the bugler in the mountains, right? So you got to take care of business, right? You got to take care of your 11 months. You're not elk hunting by trying to eat clean. Most of the time by trying to get good sleep, by trying to get good exercise. I think a lot of people think that elk shape or elk camp is about like just blowing people out of the water. And really, I don't care about today. I care about tomorrow and then the years to come, you know, you've elk hunted with your son. I haven't yet. But maybe someday Austin's gonna have a son. Do you get excited over thinking about taking your potential grandkids elk hunting? Absolutely. I mean, does that tickle your little Oh yeah. I'm already I'm already making plans. Same here. And and I think that's really special. Um, the nutrition stuff tomorrow. What do you think I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to nutrition. This is not a nutrition podcast. Overall tomorrow, due to time constraints, what are you hoping to at least convey given that we don't have a ton of time?
7: Yeah. Um, I think I would say the same thing, regardless of the amount of time we have, because I'm not an RD or um, have any specific credentials in that area. Just a lot of practice and applied um, applied practice, I guess. But what I would say is keep it simple, guys and gals. Like it doesn't have to be complicated if you can pick it off of a tree, dig it out of the ground, or shoot it with a bow and arrow, like those are the kinds of things that you should be eating. Um, It's going to give you more energy, you're going to feel better, you're going to sleep better, you're going to think more clearly, Um, and, you know, there's, and the other thing that I've really been hammering lately is, like, if you think that something is working for you, you're losing weight, you're feeling better, then that's what you should be doing if, if do you enjoy it, do you enjoy it? If, if it's working for you, man, like go for it because the power of the mind is, is incredible. And if we can just, if you, if you find something that you, that you got going on and it's, and it's a good thing, like that's what you should stick with. And, uh, I think, I think that'll resonate for a lot of people. Cause I know a lot of people have tried these crazy diets and, and, you know, done it for 30 days hardcore and then it's just so hard and it's not sustainable and they fall off and they didn't like it in the first place like do something that lights you up that gets you excited that makes you want to eat food and when you see that food you're like wow this is so like nourishing and fulfilling like I feel good about what I'm eating that's what you should be doing.
2: That's what you guys should be doing. Well, guys, it was fun to do a podcast um, at camp. I don't know if I'm going to do one at every camp, honestly, but just doing the first one of 2022 and having our main core squad here. It's nice. We do miss you, Joel Turner. If you're listening, he's not at this camp, but all in all, what a great experience. The Midwest, there's something special about these people because I've I've been here out here every time and everyone's so kind. I don't know how to describe it, but it's uh, it's cool to be out here, although it is been above zero barely since we've been here and so i'm looking forward to getting back to spokane to be back into the 20s at least that'll be nice and uh tomorrow's a big day for us we got to finish this camp strong and hopefully you guys are listening to this getting inspired about your off-season your off-season prep separation is in the preparation and we will catch you on the next one All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed uh, all that elk conversation. Iron Will Bill stepping in there, dropping that arrow knowledge. Dirk talking about Idaho getting a little crazy. Mark Livesey uh, does sound like Tone Loke a little bit. He's got a great voice. He could do a whole career in just voiceover. Jimmy G, salt of the earth. Clint McGinnis out of Utah helping out with all the camps. And then obviously Mrs. Elk shaped the glue to my family. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Check out Jimmy Kitts. Go to his website. Link is in the notes discount code is elk shape it'll take 10 percent off and then get your jimmy kit he is low on inventory so he's got a huge shipment coming in so he's got a handful left so if you hear this right away get your med kit and then get familiar with it get your hunting partners to get dialed and then everybody inform everybody of where your med kit is in your pack i know i've had a couple of run-ins in the backcountry um it may happen to you be prepared for that come home safe appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Remember separations in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.